to power up. Power up. Autobots, roll out. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where we are still here. Yes, we are. We have a great show uh, for this evening. We're going to be talking to author Steve Diamond, talking about his new book, uh, Residue. Uh, there's several other things that Steve does. He's also an editor of, Ra- I believe it's Ragnarok Publishing, and he's also in charge of Elitist Book Reviews, which uh, puts out reviews for books every week. Uh, great guy uh, all around, and uh, you know, I've gamed with him. Super nice guy. Probably give you a shirt off his back if you needed it. Um, but, man, does he write a good horror uh, story. Uh, so we'll be talking to him about his new book, and we'll be going from there. We'll be talking about uh, some geek stuff, unveiling some new stuff. Uh, the Master of the Geeks Yeah, uh, we'll Woo! be unveiling tonight. Uh, it's a new fun thing that we're going to be doing. Uh, with every author, we're going to start asking them. Every interview. Cool. Every interview, excuse me. Yeah. Not every author. Every interview. <laughs> Everyone be aware. Uh, we're going to be asking them questions to see when we can stump them. And yes. then uh, we'll be piling that up and Test see who geekdom. who will reign supreme as the master of the geeks. Uh, the Epic Showdown will be returning as well. Uh, so check that out. Uh, we'll announce it later who will be uh, in that uh, Epic Showdown. Geek news, there's a lot of really cool things that's going on. Um, still, still haven't seen a- age, uh, the Age of Ultron. Oh, going tomorrow, sinner, I am, I, I, sinner. I am uh. going tomorrow though to, to see that. It's about time. Um, it's at the Dollar Theater now, huh? You had to wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty uh. crazy, but yeah. Now the only problem is Mad Max is out. I know. <laughs> oh, I want to see that tonight. Are you really? Oh, yeah. oh, oh man. Jealous. As soon as this is over, we're gone. Well, <laughs> and, and the worst thing is I could have s- saw a sneak preview of it last night, and <gasps> I didn't realize w- how things were planning out because I was supposed to go to something else, and then that got canceled. I'm like, no, I could have gone. Oh, oh, blasphemy. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you that, that have not seen a review out of it, uh, go check out uh, Utah Geek Magazine or, or You Geek Magazine, and then they have a small review of it. Uh, and this is from Adrian, which is not a huge like science fiction action movie buff guy. Uh, it did a pretty good job, so check that out. Uh, as well as, we'll probably be putting up a review as well um, once everyone has seen that and can get all googly-eyed and excited over it. I, I, I want to see it. Everybody I do. Everybody go see it this week. Yes, go so watch it. So I don't it. spoil anything next week. Please. Because I'm go, talking about it. Go watch it because <laughs> we will, yeah. We're going to spoil it. We Everything. will. <laughs> uh, not only that, uh, the, a lot of the uh, the comic book shows are wrapping up. Um, you know, we last night was the uh, final episode for The Arrow. The last episode for Flash has happened. Uh, we've seen <laughs> the uh, last episodes of... Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and several others. Plus, there's new... I mean, there's some excitement coming out because there's new uh, TV shows that are going to be coming out uh, this fall. 
um, as well as several of these shows coming back. Um, one I'm really excited about is Ag- uh, Agent Peggy Carter's coming yes, back. Yes, I saw. I saw which was only supposed renewed. to be a small, it was only supposed to be six episodes were done. Yeah. And it was such a success that it's coming back as a, oh, a season we two. We love that show. See, I honestly, have to start it now. Now that it got renewed. Got you have to. They did it really well. It kept to the time era, everything. I mean, and all she the way kicks butt. Oh, she does. Hardcore. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, so, uh, so you see her in Captain America, and she's kind of this you know, no-nonsense gal, and right. everyone's treating her like an equal, and then she comes back home, and everyone's treating her like a secretary. Go get me a coffee, babe, and stuff like that, and smacking well, her on the rear end. It's the 50s. Yeah, and it's the 50s, and that's how it was. Yeah. Um, and you can see how she's struggling, because she's gone from... You know, being this person that everyone relied on, that respected, they, yeah, they yeah. respected. She could co- say, "Do this," and they would jump and do it. To, you know, go get my coffee, and she would make suggestions and like, "No, doll, whatever," and blow her off. Uh, you got Chad Michael <laughs> Murray in this, which I have to admit, I wasn't too keen on, but he he does a great job in there. And you know, you got Howard Stark uh, in there, and we see who you know we see where the name Jarvis comes from. Um, so I want to see that character develop because yeah, he's cool. how important was that man in Tony Stark's life that he eventually created an AI system named Based after off him. Of him yeah. Uh, yeah. So you need to see. We, I want to see what, <laughs> what that guy does because it becomes more important. Yeah, <laughs> there's something about this guy that is so amazing and so important that has permanently affected Tony Stark, and you know, I, I, that's really hard to do in my opinion because. That guy, like, throws people to the side like he throws money. Um, So, yeah, uh, hopefully they develop that. To make someone last longer than Tony Stark, too, because an AI would be indefinite. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to see. Uh, Then we got more Flash coming, which Flash ended amazingly. Uh, We got more Arrow. uh, And something really cool was announced today that we will be seeing... Uh, John Diggle's character, something is happening in season four. Whether he's getting a mask or a ring, we don't know yet. But something is happening where he will become a po- uh, a hero of some sort. So uh, there's a couple of rumors floating around. That so what, he, what do you think? Well, I'm curious what your thoughts so are. So p- the one rumor that's going around is he is John D- Diggle, but his real last name is Stewart. Um, because he's like, my name is John you know, Diggle, but my friends call me Dig. And his story arc, as far as his brother dying and getting killed in action, is very similar to John so, Stewart's. Okay. It's almost identical. And Diggle could just be a name he's taken upon himself. Uh, we don't know. Uh, and so that could be really cool if he becomes a Green Lantern. Because in the last episode, I don't know if anyone caught this, but they were they're at Fer- Ferris Air. And he's like, and they're like, well, this place is abandoned. He's like, yeah, you know, it, it closed down after one of their test pilots disappeared. Well, as we all know, that's Hal Jordan. You know, yes. he was a test pilot for them and yep. disappeared. So they're 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 throwing hints out, in my opinion. So I don't know. It'd be really cool if he does show up. Maybe uh, Stewart's his mother's name or Diggles his mother's M- name. You know? his Diggles his mother's maiden name. Maybe that that could work. So hmm. all right, looks what like one actor plays him. Uh, oh, I can't remember his name. Me either. Off the top of his head. Oh. We can find out. Yeah, let's look it up. 
All right, I, I think that beep came across. But all right, it uh, looks like Steve's calling, so uh, let's uh, take. We'll grab that uh, interview right now. <laughs> Hello. What's up, man? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. Sorry about the uh, delay there. My uh, my computer decided that it needed to do 24 updates. Across. Don't you love that? <laughs> Ouch. Uh, love it. I, I turn off the uh, the Windows updates because I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's been several times where I've I've come in, sit down to the studio, turn my laptop on, and it says now configuring updates. I'm like, I got 15 minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> so how have things been? Oh, it's been going pretty well, you know. I mean, <clears throat> between the uh, you know between the the new book coming out and then uh, you know all the other stuff going on, work is doing all right. It's you know just keeping busy. Yeah. So is is it surreal that now that you have your first novel out? You- oh yeah, man. I mean, oh that that I got my contributor copies in the mail the other day. And uh I open the package, pull it out, and I'm holding these books. I'm going, "Wait a minute." You know, it, that was the moment when it kind of clicked like, "Oh, holy crap. My name's on this book. <laughs> yeah. This isn't some other dude's book. This is my book." Yeah. Um so that that was it, it was kind of surreal, um, you know, seeing that, and then uh, you know, seeing uh, reviews pop in, people saying, "Oh yeah, that Steve Diamond guy, he's he's a good author." Um, that was that was that was a little that was a little much. I was uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it took a little bit of uh, had to sit down for a second to get used to that one. So so how is it being on the flip side because you know you have elite, you do elitist book reviews so you go and you read all these books and do the reviews how is it having other people throwing those reviews back on your book Oh it's freaking terrifying <laughs> Um you know I mean I mean I'm I'm a pretty harsh critic um I mean elitist book reviews is kind of known for that you know we're not we don't pull any punches if we really like something we tell you why if we don't like something we tell you why um, and, and it's, it's nothing personal against the authors, you know, 99% of the time. Yeah. It's just, that's, that's just the way the book is. Um, and so when I, I, I sat down, I wrote this book, I sent it out and, and then, uh, you know, Ragnarok came back and said, Hey, yeah, we totally want to buy this book. And I was like, all right, awesome. My book's going to go out there. And I thought, Oh wait, my book's going to go out there. <laughs> And all those people, because I, I know there's people out there that are like me, and, and they're going to read this thing. Oh, crap. Now what? So it's it's absolutely terrifying. Um, but, you know, the best I can hope for is that they, uh, you know, that they stay, they like the book, um, that, that I've learned, that I've learned enough from, from reading, you know, hundreds and hundreds of books that they, you know, that, that some of that has rubbed off on me. Um yeah. But you know, it's going pretty well. I like it. It's it, it is super nerve wracking. It's super terrifying. And um, you know, I got a pretty awesome review from uh, from Fantasy Book Review over in the UK. Uh, I think that was yesterday or the day before. Um, it, it was just a, a stellar review. Um, just just absolutely fantastic. And uh, and that was in a way, it's gratifying. In a way, it's and in a way, it's really humbling. It's like, oh, geez. Um, you know, I wrote something that, that this person just loved. Um, that that's an awesome feeling. Um, it, it's it's hard to describe just how awesome that feeling is. Yeah, and you've written several short stories up to this point, as mm-hmm. well as uh, you have a an anthology you edit. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I got my start with uh, with Paul Janess, my buddy Paul Janess. Uh, at the time, we weren't actually buddies, um, but you know, we, we've become friends since. He's a good dude. Yeah. Um, and and he really helped me uh, understand what I needed to do for short fiction. Um, kind of gave me my first break in the uh, in his Crimson Pact anthology series that he was doing. Um, and then uh, I ended up co-writing a bunch of stories with Larry Correa, who. I mean, you guys know Larry. He's a good, he's yeah. he's our, our our big resident teddy bear um, <laughs> uh, with the shoots and large uh, the shoots large guns. guns yeah. um, but uh, you know, so so I wrote a bunch of short stories, um, learned a ton from that, um, and then uh, had this this crazy, stupid, awesome idea to uh, to do an anthology, and I ended up co-editing that with uh, with Nate Shoemate, who you guys know also, good yeah. dude. And, uh, you know, I edited that, that anthology. It's called Shared Nightmares. Um, man, it has stories from, from some awesome authors in it. You know, Larry, uh, Dan Wells, Michael Brent Collins, um, you know, Tom Lloyd over in England, Sarah Hoyt, Marie Brennan. I mean, it's got some fantastic authors in it. Um, and, and it's horror cent- horror centric yeah. also. Seems like that's where all my stories end up going, whether I, whether I like it or not. <laughs> well, I mean, do you kind of feel like you kind of got some some magic or some luck on your side? Where I mean, these short stories kind of got put in with some pretty big names, so people could recognize your your writing. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if I've told you guys this. Um, the the way the way the short stories all went down. Um, I turned in one to Paul. It was just kind of a blind submission to him. And he liked it, and he bought it. And I had to do a massive rewrite on it, which was no big deal, because it was my first sale. And I said, well, then I'm going to do whatever the editor says. I don't care. Um, so I, I, I did the, the edit, and I was telling my friend Larry, uh, you know, I was telling Larry about it. And I said, hey, I just sold this story. Feeling super awesome. I think for the next one, um, I'm going to set it on, uh, I'm going to do a sequel story, and it's going to be set at Quantico. You know, like uh, where the where the Marines and the FBI kind of have this joint base. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. I'll just write it. I'll, I'll write the story with you. It'll be totally great. <laughs> well, well, OK, sure. Yeah. I, I didn't think he was serious. And then uh, he and I were hanging out at uh, Conduit a couple of years ago. And uh, Paul walked up to us and said, you know, how excited he was to get another story from me. And Larry goes, oh, yeah, and I'm co-writing one with him, too. And so at that point, it was like, well. It's, it's, it's for real. Yeah. Uh, guess, guess we're, guess I'm going with that. Uh, so Larry and I ended up writing about, oh gosh, I want to say it's like 50,000 words worth of short fiction together for that. Wow. Um, I mean, you know, a, a novella length. At some point we're going to, we're going to pull it all together, expand it and turn it into a novel, but we're both pretty swamped at the moment. Yeah. But you know, to answer your question, yeah, there, there's, there's definitely a little bit of luck. Um, you know, a lot of it is who you know. Uh, my my book, for example, one of the guys that helped me get into the uh, into Ragnarok um, has been a reviewer with me. You know, over to lead us book reviews. Yeah. And so he's like, "Hey, you, you want to send me something, and and I'll decide if it's okay, or I'll decide if it's good or not." I said, "Okay." So I, I shot it over to him, and you know, from from start to finish with them. It was, I, I sent them the book, and within 10 days, I had an agreement for a contract. So, um, that that's not how it normally works. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, luck plays into it. 
but you know we can we can always go the Han Solo route, right? Like yes. we make our own luck. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, you know sometimes it's it's just about sticking your neck out there and and and, and working hard. Um, and sometimes it feels like the luck comes after that. But yeah. Well, I mean, I would say it, it was a lot of luck. Um, I I was talking with Brandon Sanderson uh, a few weeks back and uh, corresponded with a talk he gave, but a lot of people don't know this, but he submitted a book, like 17 different books before he finally got signed. A lot oh, of people yeah. don't realize that because everyone's like, oh, Brandon Sanderson, he's amazing. But, yeah, it took 17 books, rejections, before he finally got something signed. Um, well, and not just that, but Elantra sat there for a long time. Oh yeah. Um, you know, Brandon. You know, Brandon's a good friend. Um, yeah. uh, back when, back when I used to work at a at the bookstore down in Provo, um, you know, I set up I set up his first signings, uh, his first big signings. Uh, back when, back when, yeah, back when he uh, he wasn't Mr. New York Times bestselling superstar, yeah. owner of everything, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, he, he. I set up a Black Friday signing for him for Elantris. That was his only book out. Um, but man, you know, he he, he took the hard road. Uh, it, it took a long time for him to get published, and you know, he did it by working nights. Uh, and you know, the the uh, uh, I think it was a hotel job that he used to work. Yeah. And uh, man, he when he wasn't when he wasn't uh, working, he was writing. And uh, yeah, he, he put in he put in the he put in the sweat for it, um, and, it and it's paid off pretty big time for him. Yeah. So let's talk about residue. So, so yeah. Out. Now I, I'm looking here. Now Dan Wells, a friend of you know yours and mine, wrote a, an amazing kind of blurb about it. It's like residue will scare you. That's its primary goal. But along the way, it will touch you, shock you, make you laugh, make you cheer, and make you think horror has been waiting for Steve Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, I had to sit down when I read that one. Uh, <laughs> I bet. Um, you know, I, I I'd been I'd been bugging him. You know, he he was one of my first readers for it, yeah. um, and and he he loved the book, uh, and he was one of the first people I told when when uh, when I signed the contract and and I and I I'd agreed to to have this book published, and uh, and I asked him. I said, hey, so so you're gonna you're gonna be able to uh, to give me a cover quote on this? He's like, of course, no problem. And then uh, what he didn't divulge to me was that he's he, he's pretty lousy at them typically. <laughs> um, and and I mean they're not they're not easy to do. No, um, they're not. You know, a lot of a lot of the stuff that I do for elitist book reviews ends up as a cover quote um, for on, on various books. And uh, and I know how difficult it is, but man. He was agonizing over it. He was just, it was just killing him. And uh, he finally, he finally sent me this email saying, "I think I got it. What do you think of this?" He sends it over to me, and uh, you know, it's that quote you just read. Um, and yeah, I mean, that that makes a pretty strong statement. It does. Uh, I mean, you pair that one with uh, with with uh, Larry Correa's quote. Um, you know, his says something like, uh, "The best prom scene since Carrie." Or something like that. Well, no. Let me let me read it. So it says, "Residue is a fast-paced, fun read with great characters and the best prom scene since Carrie." Steve Diamond writes, "Kick butt, mutants, psychics, and guns." I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I mean, <laughs> it, it's hard for a guy to ask for two better cover quotes, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it, it, what I like about both of them is that they, they kind of showcase two different, uh, kind of two different sides to the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry's talks about the action, which, which, you know, is, is no surprise for Larry. Larry's known as being one of the best action writers in the business. Um, there are very few people that I personally feel that write action better than he does. And then there's Dan. Uh, and Dan writes some of the best psychological um, horror out oh, yeah. there. Um, you know, it, it, Dan's a phenomenal writer. I, I love that guy to death. And, and so when he comes at it with this this emotional side of it, and Larry comes at it with this, like, action blood-soaked side um it it makes for man those those are two fantastic just fantastic quotes um i I, I couldn't have been more pleased um man yeah even now i'm you you can't see me but um obviously but i have this huge grin on my face just even thinking about it um it's man those are awesome nice so tell us a little bit about residue uh for our listeners that are would be interested in picking it up all right so so Residue is a it's it's a young adult novel, young adult horror, paranormal, supernatural, whatever you want to call it, um, but uh, is, is easily read by by adults up, you know, no big deal there. Um, but Residue is primarily about a kid named Jack Bishop, and uh, at the very beginning of the book, his dad gets kidnapped, and he's left to kind of fend for himself and figure out what's going on in his town. A bunch of murders are happening. And what he discovers is that he can uh, he can see the psychic residue, hence the name, uh, the psychic residue left behind by monsters and murder victims. Uh, and so he starts using that to track uh, to track this monster, this thing that's killing folks around town. Um, and then along the way, he meets a he meets a girl. Her name is uh, her name is Alex Courtney, and she can read minds. And so together they, you know, they make this dynamic duo um, that go around fighting the uh, fighting the good fight, trying to figure out, you know, what's killing folk in the town, um, and trying to figure out where where Jack's dad went. Um, you know, it's very heavily influenced by uh, by my watching of X Files, um, Fringe, you know, two two of my my favorite shows, um, and then also reading the book uh, Necroscope by Brian Lumley. Which is very ESP um, psychic type type powers oriented um, with with very scary monsters. So all of that together just kind of mashed in my mind, and I wrote this book. Um, it's it's super fun. There's you know there's a lot of action in it, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of emotional and psychological terror in it also, which is which has been a good mix. People seem to be enjoying the mix of it. Nice. So, what was one of your favorite scenes or favorite parts of the book that why you were writing so i wrote the last half of this book in about a week oh wow um i went to this writing retreat with a couple buddies uh dave butler you guys know dave yeah um with uh dan wells his brother rob wells uh eric Patton, a couple guys and uh all we did for you know 12 to 14 hours a day was just sit there and write that's all we did um and it was fantastic so we sat down, all we're doing is writing, and uh, I've been having super productive days, writing, you know, eight to 10,000 words a day, which is awesome. And uh, I, one of the last days, 
um, I'd spent the first like six, seven hours doing nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't put a word on paper. I was struggling to even get, you know, a thousand words on the page. And then I get to the prom scene. And, uh, the prom scene is when everything, basically everything just goes to hell. Um, it is, it is all violence. It is all craziness. It is all action. It's a prom scene to a chase scene to a house defense scene to a, um, a really mellow kind of after scene at a hotel. Um, and I wrote all that in the span of like an hour and a half. And it's a huge chunk of the book. Um, and, and it was just, it was just a blast to write. At one point I started giggling and Dan Wells is sitting across from me and he goes, what are you laughing about? I said, I just massacred an entire prom. It was amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and he starts laughing. He's like, well, that's going on Twitter. And so he, he tweets that out. And, um, that was the funnest scene to write. The, the most emotional scene I write, um, is a, is a scene where, where, um, and I'll try to keep this fairly spoiler free, uh, for, for the listeners out there, for y'all. But, uh, you know, Jack experiences the murder, uh, someone's murder, uh, from their own perspective, uh, like it's happening to him. Um, and as a, as a kid, you know, he's a teenager. Um, so it's, it's a pretty, it's a very visceral, impactful horror scene. Um, two very different, you know, those two scenes are very different, um, equally fun to write for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that kind of gives you a taste for, for some of the stuff that I put in my books. Um, you know, I, I love action. I love just, uh, I love action scenes. Um, but I also like those, those scenes of psychological terror, um, you know, that, that, that really make, make a reader squirm or that, that really wreak havoc on the, the character in the book. I still want to read this now. Well, you should. I should. I, read I suggest little, you go buy it. All righty. I read the little sample that they yeah. have online, and oh, yeah. the first scene in the prequel was just amazing. Good. Yeah. 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 I, you know, that, that, was the, that was the second version of that. And actually, that was like the third version. My first version of that, that prologue, um, is completely different. Um, it's, it's actually from the monster's point of view. And... Uh, and I wrote it, and it, it was a good scene, but um, pretty much every single uh, beta reader that read it said, you know, this is a good scene, but it feels totally off because then you go into the book and, and you never have another scene from that point of view again. Um, and we feel a little cheated. Um, so either you need more scenes from the monster's point of view or none. <clears throat> and at that point, it was... You know, I got to thinking about that, and I said, "You know what? You're right." Um, and this would be a good place to to actually introduce uh, Alex, the the girl character. Um, and so that that's that's the version that you have now. Um, it's, I mean, that I, I I just deleted that original scene and, and rewrote it from scratch. Sometimes that's just how it is. Yeah. So besides this one. Um, you know, you've also written short stories for Kaiju Rising, Age of mm-hmm. Monsters sequel, and then uh, Mech Age of Steel. So, how how do those kind of flow compared to this book? Well, the um, yeah, funny story. I was supposed to be in Kaiju Age of Steel or uh, Kaiju Age of uh, Age of Monsters. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and uh, they they forgot to invite me. Um. <laughs> 
they apologized afterwards. Um, I had a story and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, at the same time, uh, Bain, uh, Bain Science Fiction and Fantasy, they were um, they were having a similar anthology come out. So I, I <clears throat> you know, Larry gave me an introduction to the guys over there, and they said, "Well, you know, we aren't really we aren't really looking for submissions for this anthology, but you know, he's he's free to send us one." So I shot him over the story, and uh, and you know they accepted it, which was freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, the the anthology I'm in, uh, it's called the Bane Big Book of Monsters, and it uh, you know it only has five original stories in it. Uh, one from me, one from Larry, one from Sarah Hoyt. Um, I can't remember who the other two are. I think Rick Spore maybe, and uh, I think Hank Davis. I think those are the five originals. And then the rest are, you know, these people. I don't know if you've heard of them. There's this guy named Robert E. Howard. Um, there's this guy named H.P. Uh, Lovecraft that oh, are in it. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 don't know, I hear, I hear they might, I hear they might be popular, you know, pretty soon. Just a little uh, bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I get put in this anthology, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty overwhelmed. Like, holy cow, this is awesome. <clears throat> but, but that story is, you know, all my stories. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, because. I'm a terrible, awful human being, but all of my stories end up being horror, no matter what I do. So I had this idea of a of a caillou, you know, this, this giant, giant monster, but I wanted it to be huge. Um, I wanted it to be just massive, you know. It, it would make the ones in Pacific Rim or Godzilla or whatever just look puny. So I made it the size of a mountain. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I've got a cool, I you know, I got a cool monster. That that's neat. Now what? Um, and then I thought, okay, well, at the time, um, my my game group was playing Legend of the Five Rings, so uh, you know, samurai was on the brain, and uh, so I added a samurai into the story, and the whole story is about the samurai who's climbing a mountain, uh, who's climbing this this caillou the size of a mountain um, to kill it, and he doesn't know how he's going to do it. All he knows is that he, he has faith that his ancestors are gonna are gonna lead him to the right way to do it. That's what the whole story is about. Um, super awesome. It's nominated for a Hugo Award this year. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if anything happens with that. Uh, but uh, so that was pretty cool. That was a much more subdued story. Um, you know, there, there's not a ton of action in it. it. It's it's more about the journey than than anything else. Um, but the approach there was, was, was really focused on character. Um, and that's what I like my stories to be about. Um, you know, hard science fiction these days has issues because they get so focused on some just big idea, some scientific idea, and they forget to tell a story that people care about. They forget to talk to, to introduce characters that people care about. Um, so I, I try really hard to focus on character and building them up. Um, giving them weaknesses, making them relatable. Um, they don't have to be good guys, but you know they need to be. They need to be real. Yeah. And then, uh, um, and then for the the kind of the sequel anthology for that that whole Caillou Age of Monsters or whatever it's yeah. called, um, they they remembered to invite me to the sequel anthology, um, Mecha Age of Steel, and I think the Kickstarter is going live for that um, in like summer fall. Um, that's the last word I heard. Um, there's a uh, there's a rumor going around that they're about to do a cover reveal for it. Um, 
I've seen the cover. It's it's freaking awesome. You guys are gonna love it. Cool. Um, uh, keep an eye. I'll I'll, I'll post it on my Facebook. You guys can can go can go check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, that story. I kind of did it in the same vein. I was like, okay, well, I, I did this this story about a giant monster the size of a mountain. Can I can I do the same thing with a robot? I mean, why not, right? Yeah. And so uh, I came up with the idea. I don't have you. Did you guys ever read the uh, the Hungry City Chronicles yeah. by Philip Reeve? Yeah, I have. So super awesome series, right? Yes. These these mobile cities because you know that's just the way the world worked. And so I thought, oh yeah, yeah, like a mobile city. So that so the robot is the mobile city Denver. Okay. Um, and it has it's just a giant robot. It's walking around um, because uh, if you think about it. You know, any monsters come out from from wherever they come out. You know, cities are sitting ducks. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, they're just gonna get trampled. Um, so you know, they invent mobile cities and they're going around. Well, um, the idea very quickly spiraled away from this like fun action adventure story that I was gonna tell with this giant robot to a um, to a, a complete horror story about the this giant robot becomes self aware. And starts stalking one of the the people that's living inside of it, um, <laughs> because because I because there's something wrong with me. I don't know. Sweet. <laughs> so it's hell all over. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's you know this this robot is uh, is diverting power away from like other parts of the city, so that wherever this 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 girl walks, it's like a perfect environment for her. Um, it's, it's just, it's all told from the point of view of the robot, um, stalking the girl. So, uh, look, yeah, look, look forward to that one. It's super great. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Creepy robot city stalking someone living on it. Yeah. Why not? Well, regular stalkers have already been done. So you gotta get something, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, they, they're asking me for a quote they could use. Today for the for the story for when they reveal the cover, and, I, and my quote went, went something along the lines of, um, you know, I, I'd always I'd always been I've been thinking about the the age old question, <clears throat> excuse me, the age old question of, you know, of uh, of of what happens when when uh, when a robot stalks a girl or or something like that, you know, and, and it's just, you know, writing is fun. Mm-hmm. You know, how often do you get to tell a story about a stalking robot or about a a monster the size of a mountain that's going to be killed by one dude with a katana? Yeah. Or or about a, a a kid who who can see the psychic residue left behind by monsters and murder victims. I mean, that that's what that's what storytelling's all about. It's all about, you know, just just having fun with it, telling stories that that you know, hopefully people haven't read before. Um it, it, it's a lot of fun. It, it's super tough, super tough work, but tons of fun. No, it's super exciting. I mean, I, you know, the whole story with you know the city becoming aware and stalking this this lady. I mean, that you take the the TV series Sex in the City and the you know that's Manhattan <laughs> stalking Sarah Jessica yeah. Parker's character. Whole yeah. Makes completely it a different. show. It does. It, it, oh man, a watchable show. What happened to that show, man? Yeah, I know. Oh man, there'd have been so much less angst and so much more murder. Would have been oh, yeah. way better. It would have been enjoyable. I could have watched it. 
religiously. Yes. But, uh, no, that's awesome. All right, that was author Steve Diamond, and we are going to take a small break, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Dungeon Colors Radio. That was ACDC with Highway to Hell and Disturbed playing their cover of U2's Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And for those of you just joining us now, uh, you just missed the first half of our interview with author Steve Diamond. Now, if you did uh, hear that first half, uh, please tune in to Thursday's show as we'll be playing the second half of that interview. Uh, but, th- but now, let's uh, move on to geek news and other fun and exciting things. Better make your friends get over here. Uh, listen to the show. So uh, we've got some other stuff to go. There's something you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I was just curious. Uh, somebody explained to me the relationship between Cyclops okay. and Havoc. Okay. I already know that. Okay. I can easily. But, they are brothers. Okay, they are, right? However, in the movie, they okay, messed that up. so this is what we need yeah. to talk about. How in the movie does this sound work? And that, they've announced it, so I can I'm going to present how, it to you guys. Well, I, let, me, let me throw out my, how I think they're going to do it. Okay. And you can tell me if they're wrong based on their announcement. So, S- Scott and Alex are brothers. Their dad flies around in a spaceship up in space yeah. uh, with the Star Screamers. I think there is some time travel manipulation okay. coming in here because we well we already know there's time travel stuff going on because of the Phoenix, because of Cable, and, and so forth, and Bishop. Uh, so I believe there is some time travel involved. So Alex, when they were younger, got, they've got separated, and Alex got sent into the past and so forth. I could be wrong, though. That, that's my theory based on the fact that Havoc is back when Professor X was young and, and so forth. So what is the explanation? Well, anybody else have any ideas before I tell you what the movie studio said? No? All right. No Let's idea. Let's do it. Go. I want to hear. They're putting Havoc as Cyclops' dad. So the, okay. So Okay. You gotta do something. And I understand I mean, this. I, I can that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's breaking away from traditional comics, but that makes sense now. Because but wait, what if it is because of the time travel, it is his dad, but also but his, his brother. brother. Really Whoa. <laughs> you just turned it's this really into creepy uh, if you think about uh, it. <laughs> A moment when You're Fry goes back to be his own grandpa. <laughs> 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 no, thinking about that relationship. Wise, Futurama. Sure. Yay. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of shocking to me. It, c- it kind of is, but at the same time, they're at least keeping it the same the family. family. Yeah. Um, because they well, needed a, a cool uh, mutant at that time. Let's face it. I mean, the other ones they had, besides Be- even Beast wasn't that cool. Cool. He kind of, but he wasn't as cool as Havoc that could shoot, you know, plasma-generated energy out of his chest. Um, which would explain why Cyclops shoots plasma energy uh, out of his eyeballs. Nice. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's... It, it's not the best, but... No. I don't like it when they mess up relationships like yeah. that. Yeah. So when I was watching First Class, mm-hmm. it dawned on me once going, hey, wait. <laughs> yeah. Havoc is Scott's uh, brother. Yeah. You know what's going on here? That didn't even dawn me. And then I, they yeah. announced it the other day. I'm like, well, hello, of course. Yeah, yeah I don't like that. I was upset when the Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were twins in the Avengers. They weren't twins in, but then they weren't twins in um, X Men. Well, see, yeah, see, and that's another thing like I have to years, ask like is because years apart. everything is supposed to be meshing together. How is the X Men universe meshing with everything else? Because yeah. we've already seen Quicksilver back when 
you know, in, in the beginning. Uh, yeah. You know, way, Revan, way you, way need, you need to watch the new movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll watch it. <laughs> so, uh, tomorrow. Because eventually we'll get Avengers versus X-Men, right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would the be. epic showdown. The way it split, I thought it was like they they split off and half of them go with some X-Men and half of them go no, with other No, the way X-Men. it separates is X-Men are anything that's born with the ability. Okay. And Avengers are anything that you receive the ability later uh, in your life. So then, or, then where does that put Thor? Well, well so Thor's Thor a god. Given, he was given that power, so though. He, he he's a born, god. Uh, he, he's an alien. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he was given that. Power. And he was given that god. power. Yeah. So well, <laughs> there's also a, there's also a separation as well. Is there's a new faction called uh, the new. Uh, oh, what is that coming out with uh, Sky and them? Uh, because new they mutants. lost. No, it's not new mutants because they lost the mutant name. Oh, um, uh, oh man, I just forgot. Inhumans. It. Inhumans. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they're. They're humans that through they kind of there's a point in their life much like when they're a mutant when they suddenly develop their power but they have to use a device that triggers the transformation mm-hmm. and then they become they they're pretty much like mutants at that point after but there's a yeah. device that triggers it instead of it just suddenly happens uh, like with you know the mutants it's like oh. You hit thirteen and boom, That's you like are now blue. Silver and Scarlet Witch didn't they make it seem more like they were an experiment? Yeah, they, it was yeah. enhanced. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh, what's during that whole movie for you? Sorry, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I've Just heard so much. Joking, you saw that. Or <laughs> um, well, I, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens. It was hard for me because yeah. a I lot of people were upset about it so see, much, yeah. and then it's, it was like, yeah, seeing that they did cross a good job, the Avengers to the mutants, whatever you want to look at. That's where Wolverine keeps crossing back and forth because mm-hmm. yeah. he has this healing factor he was born with, right. but but he's got the adamantium in the claws that he was given later in life. Yeah. So mm-hmm. well, he had, no, he had the claws. Well, true, but he's got. But he doesn't have covered. the metal claws yeah. like he has now. So when uh, Magneto sucks it all out, is he just an X Men from that point on? I don't know. Well, and then he gets it back. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just it's getting it's confusing, weird. guys. It is. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Is it a deal breaker? No, it's not really a deal breaker. Is it kind of? Uh, I would say turn a, off a little bit, a turn a off bit or of a a weak explanation of why I would say yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like okay, we realize we screwed up by putting Havoc back here, so we're just gonna make it his dad because we don't want to deal with aliens, yeah. which <laughs> I, I can understand. Can it just be his much, much, much older brother? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's a very, Watch. very old brother. <laughs> oh, or just His use the time were travel. So young. <laughs> use the time travel excuse. Cyclops was a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about maybe doing Avengers to X Men. I don't know if Fox is ever going to give that up. They just announced uh, the new, uh, the new X Men. The new what's that was? I just lost the name of that series. That came Which out. one? The the younger generation of the X-Men. the new mutants yeah the new mutants they just announced that oh okay that they're gonna make a movie based off the new mutants well uh, let's put it this way I'm amazed that Fox let go of Spider Man that was Sony or Sony excuse me Sony let go of Spider Man Be- Fox lets go of nothing because <laughs> well, well obvious they don't they still own the rights to Serenity and Firefly um, watch that today don't and they, I mean they killed that. 
literally, they killed that, yeah. and it has a huge cult following, just as big as Star Trek or Star mm-hmm. Wars. Oh, yeah. Um, and it continues to grow, and yet they won't let go of it in any way, shape, or form. Um, of course, because they're, they're still making money, whether it's dead or not. Uh, you know, so I'm, like I said, I was amazed that Sony let go. Fox, they don't, they don't want to give up any of their money. Sony is seeing the bigger picture like, okay, no money is better, or half money is better than no money, because literally they have to continue to make a movie every so many years, otherwise they lose the rights. And Dealing within that universe yeah, of that character or whatever. With that character. And they had these big plans, but they were seeing that they couldn't keep up with that. Yeah. And Did we really want a Sinister Six movie? Yeah, we, yeah Sinister Six. I don't know. Could yes, we do. You know, Really? You know, as much yes. as I mean, that would be cool. As much as I would love to see a Venom movie, could they do it correctly? Now, would you want Venom the the villain, or would you want Venom the superhero style? See, that's the thing: is Venom is kind of that weird antihero. Yeah, he's because yeah. Um, I mean, if you ever read the comics, when Spider-Man wasn't involved, he was he was always looking out for, for the you know the the pick-down guy, the weaker guy. He didn't handle it the right way. And it was kind of it was overboard Batman really. You know, you would see a lady get her purse snatched, she'd come in and beat the guy to a bloody pulp and then hand the purse off and she would run away scared because there's this alien creature thing with his tongue. And he's just like, you know, all right, moves off to the next thing. Um and a lot of people and then he or he'd deal with people coming after him because he's this villain, whatever. Um See, I, I enjoyed the Venom when they had brought him out with the superhero style yeah. where it was Eddie Brock lost his legs in Vietnam or whatever war no, that, it was. No, that's Flash Thompson. Flash, that's yeah, right, Flash. That's when Flash Thompson and got the suit. And they started using Venom to be a, a go-in-and-rescue-people type yeah. of superhero, and it gave him his legs back, and he liked it, but they had to control his going insane while the suit was on him yeah. and get him back in time to rip the the, the suit the off. Suit but then he wouldn't have legs him. anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- that version of... And Venom has changed so much because Eddie Brock got rid of the suit because it was causing cancer and then he's got another suit. Um, so he's the anti-Venom, uh, which cured him of his cancer and he's going against the symbiotes. A whole other story. But basically, because he was dying of cancer, he put the symbiote suit up uh, for the highest bid to pay off his bills because he wanted to to live. And uh, Matt McGregor took the suit, which was the original Scorpion. So, you know, we had a very interesting-looking Venom that kind of had the Scorpion tail, things like that. And then he eventually lost it. Government powers or whatever got a hold of it, and then we have the latest, which is the Flash Thompson version, which is pretty cool. It I is mean, cool. I, I do agree. It is really cool. I'm still a huge fan of the original Eddie Brock Me traditional too. Venom. Venom's just wicked. Uh, and I, I like the heroes are in right now. They're they are. Um, and it works. You know, I, I hated Flash Thompson. He was a jerk. Yeah. You know, in Spider Man, and now you just get. You're so happy to see him without no legs, weren't you? Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and now you see him. Yeah, now you see him Justice. where he, he he's got the suit, but at the same time, Flash Thompson was also Spider-Man's biggest fan, even though he picked <laughs> on Peter Parker all the time. It was very interesting, uh, uh, you know. And, and so you have to believe that now Flash Thompson knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker because the symbiote knows, and the symbiote's told everyone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every time, so I don't know. I would like to see Eddie Brock Venom 
But I'd like to see Venom done right, not the weird Topher Grace Venom, which was just pathetic. Weird. Yeah. Bless so. his heart. Again, Gosh, we, we're trash. not bringing those up anymore. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't exist. All right. So, <laughs> Havoc, Spider-Man. All right. So what else we got that we could talk about real quickly? Um, well, I was I was really enjoying Daredevil, mm-hmm. and I just was recently talking about this with Stick. Um, I think they chose they casted right for him, and then who he was talking to at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I think I figured it out. Okay, he's the 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 chased stone, so it's Stick and Stone, mm-hmm. and they're like the chased going against the hand. Yeah. Could be. I think it's what it might be. Uh, More than likely, I bet you that's what it is. Yeah. So. See, now I heard it could be the possibility that uh, clan that Iron Fist belongs to, and that's how it's going to help bring the Iron Fist series into Netflix. No, because uh, it can't be that, because the Iron Fist clan is much more enlightened and positive that one was much more dark that's true it, you know they they don't use weapons they don't kill you know they they fight barehanded disable and, and imprisoned so it can't be them okay um it's probably more along the lines of you but well, who knows they they go along with the the hand works with fisk in the yeah. comic books yeah he uses them for quite a while actually to get the city yeah so i don't know i'm excited i want to see where it goes um I think uh, they've got a great portrayal of Fisk going on. Uh, How long will he stay where he is now? I don't know. It was kind of interesting with him staring at that wall. Uh, I I have to wonder if he starts... We start seeing the kingpin (laughs) really (laughs) showing up. Well, we... Yeah, I had to. I laugh when I saw him in the white jumper. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Because he stayed away, you know. And there was the kind of comment early on when he first dated Vanessa that, you know, she dated a guy in a white suit and an ascot, and it's like I'd never wear that. And it's like, hmm, interesting, maybe, (laughs) yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, And I'm I'm really excited for the Star Wars stuff that's been slowly been leaking out and announcing. Uh, It looks like. Again, it's rumored, but the rumors are starting to show more and more that uh, Josh Whedon might be stepping out of the Marvel Universe soon uh, and into the role for Star Wars for Episode 10. It's weird to say that. Um, but, yeah. Really? I thought it was 9. He's doing or 10? 9. 9. 9, excuse nine. me, 9. Oh, okay. Yes, 9. I was like, there's more? 9. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. That would be awesome. I mean, there's definitely going to be a, a lot of solo ones. Yeah. So who knows? You know, and then there's the big Do you think Josh could handle uh, – it's got to be a drain to direct this many top actors and get this big of a show going and then to throw them in the Star Wars universe, which is the same scenario, and it's just big show. It's It's got to slowly kill you, right? It's just – Well, I mean, honestly, acting – Directing all that, you know, a lot of people say, "Wow, I mean, they go through marriages and life and all that, and they go through all this crazy stuff." But you gotta just think of all the stress and the pressure. I mean, you get a huge blockbuster. Now they expect you to always do a blockbuster. Yeah, no yep. kidding. Uh, you know, you do an amazing portrayal of this. You get an Academy Award. Well, you got to keep doing that. Uh, you know, and you got to keep doing the next big, best, better movie. And you know, it's no wonder their relationships fall apart. I mean, besides the fact that when they're on a movie set, 
you know, halfway around the globe, they're there for months on end, and that that's not going to do very well for a relationship, uh, you know. And then all this stress, especially if you're in this, you know, let's say, you know, Joe A is married to housewife B, he's off gallivanting across the world and doing all these scenes, and and she, of course she's freaking out or doing who knows what, or maybe they have they both have really uh, high powered jobs and they're competing, so. Honestly, I, I if he steps away from Marvel, I think he can do it. If he's trying to balance Marvel and Star Wars, I think that would be too much. Honestly, yeah, that would be. That, I mean, that's just ridiculousness, really. Um, and I know he's just kind of, he's kind of the figurehead that's controlling everything, and he's just doing like Avengers, and everything yeah, he's else. Overseeing he's, the he's overseeing, so everything flows well. So Gosh. that's not really too draining. I don't know. But it's still a lot of work. Yeah. Um. Then throw in Star Wars, that's that, that could be too much. Yeah, you know, honestly, can he handle Star Wars fans? <laughs> I mean, you think no. Marvel fans are bad? Aren't Star Wars like the next niche up? Oh, you know, they are. I, I, w- rough. I, they are. <laughs> but I would say the worst fans out there are Trekkies. <laughs> and, and nothing against Trekkies, they are just so absolute in their lore. You know, like when J.J. Abrams came out and he did the the wormhole thing to change things so he had a fresh start, which I thought was brilliant. Genius. Everyone went off on it. I mean, it's like, you're ruining you everything, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, he yeah. could. And it gave it him a new. fresh start and a clean slate to move forward where he wasn't interfering with canon, which was brilliant. But, you know, what do you do? Yeah, because you're getting bombarded and blah blah blah. Who cares? People are still going to see the Trekkie movies. You know, they're still going to see Star Trek. You know, I hate. I wasn't a big fan of Star Trek. I like the new ones. Me too. I Me really too. like I them. them. I like the old Star Trek, and I love the new ones. You know, yeah. the old Star Trek was okay. I wasn't a huge fan. My, fa- you know, my parents and my aunts and uncles were so much so they went to a Star Trek Star Trek fan club and they had positions. <laughs> I got roped into it, and I was in the engineering. <laughs> yes, that happened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I am a huge geek, but no, I can't do that. Can't do that. Can't go that far. No. But could I be part of the fi- 501st? Totally. Could I be you know, a, a Mandalorian merc? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> but I have to build my suit first, and I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I have so much. I have time going everywhere else. Um, and and they wore uniforms, and you had to. Go, and if you wanted to go up in rank, you had to take tests, which was based on your knowledge of Star Trek. No. I mean, seriously, <laughs> the engineering test to go up was like in episode such and such for this power conduit that was described in this scene. What did that control? I don't know. It was blue. <laughs> <laughs> You know how many droid brains control the Millennium Falcon? Well, that's easy. I know it's three. They're always talking against each other, and that's why the Millennium Falcon always never always has problems. But hey, I can't tell you what that power conduit does in Star Trek. <laughs> yes, and ha- more than half the time, three or C three PO has a silver leg. Pff, who? Yeah. Why? We don't I, know. Because Lars and Baru were cheap. <laughs> and he lived in a desert. He lost a leg. They replaced it with a silver one. Why they never fixed it, even after they made him shiny, I have no clue. And then, of course, 
he got blown up in Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Yeah. Well, dismantled. No, he got blown up. <laughs> the stormtroopers get blew him up. <laughs> With what I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen a robot explode. Because you, you hear a blaster fire and he's like <laughs> he explodes like a pile of Legos that got hit. <laughs> <laughs> by a ball that was thrown a million miles an hour. Yeah. That never made sense to me. I never understood that one. Yeah. And how he could just put him back together and he was fine. Well, he's a droid. He's wires and parts and he's a Wookiee and Wookiees apparently are good at putting things together. Incredibly. Except for yeah, heads. Re- rewiring for things with those delicate fingers that they have. Yeah. I know. I, that's, <laughs> that's what I can never understand. I mean, Wookiees are supposed to be these amazing builders and they don't have... If you got these weird paw things. Yeah, I don't see a lot of wire splicing going on. Yeah. Like, yeah they could I mean? use their claws to clip <laughs> wires and stuff. I mean, you've seen you've seen Chewbacca with the weird wrench thing, and he's like, oh, no. Of course he's mad. He can't, like, hook the wires together like they're supposed to. Maybe that's why they built droids. I don't know. So the droids do it for the Wookiees. all the tiny work, right? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. But, you know, you know Revenge of the Sith did did answer why you know the clerk's question of how the Death Star was built. It was very simple. They outsourced to the Wookiees after they took them over. I don't know. Well, they they outsourced all the aliens. Yeah, and said you're going to do this, or we'll just continue obliterate you. you. Yeah, <laughs> and then hey, by the way, this is built to obliterate you. Hey, that is so awesome. So I told you I was playing Knights of the Republic on my iPad. It just <laughs> notified me that I'm 57 percent done of my adventure. Wow, <laughs> a little yeah. over halfway. No, just the adventure I'm on. <laughs> 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 Not the Not game. The game. Oh. Just the adventure. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have to go interrogate a Sith when the show's over. Ooh. All right. Sounds fun. Uh, unless I blow him up. <laughs> 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 Which I did last night, so <laughs> I got to... Re- that's the one thing I like about games. I just load back when I make a mistake. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> load game. <laughs> oh, if life were that way. <laughs> oh, man. If life were that way, I would make change so many mistakes. Yeah, but how many times do you have to redo it until you get it right? Uh, who knows? Phil Connors did it who knows how many times in Groundhog's Day. I might make mistakes on purpose. Oh. <laughs> then go back and redo them. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Now let's do this the right way. <laughs> I might have to do that a couple right? times. Yeah. <laughs> so this landed me in jail today. Oh, well, got three more hours to wait. <laughs> then I can start all over. <laughs> Mulligan. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie, but, man, that would be an awesome ability. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, See, would, I mean, that, that's one thing that I have to I say about Doctor Who, anything. where, the, you know, <laughs> with Doctor Who, he can't go back into his own timeline, so that makes it so he can't fix, you know, mistakes he's made or anyone else has made. But if you could do that, that would be awesome. It's like, nope, this didn't work today. I'm doing it this way. Okay, <laughs> reset. Boop. Start the day over. So, all right. So, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the announcement that they are bringing the Muppets back to primetime? Yeah. ABC. I don't know. They've tried this once before, they did. right? When they did, they did a TV show. Yeah. They kind of did it like a talk show, like you know, the Tonight Show, and it didn't do that well. See, However, the original Muppet show, Show was in prime time and it had it was one of the highest rated shows, uh, in at that time. Yeah, but the times have changed. They they have, and they're changing the formula. They are changing the formula. Let's face it, you know the Muppets that we grew up with are not the same Muppets now. Um, voices are different. 
the way they're portrayed is different. I mean, come on, 1980s robot driving a car. Um, yay. <laughs> and they drive into the ocean and come back out. Not realistic, but hey, it's the Muppets, and it's I the- love them. <laughs> but, I mean, that's kind of the thing is everyone loves the Muppets. There's yep. no one that doesn't love the Muppets. If they can pull it off, I think it'll do fantastic. But I think that's kind of the thing that's been missing is we don't have those old primetime shows like we used to. And I think maybe that's what they're trying. I mean, let's face it. I think reality TV is finally phasing out. Hopefully. Hopefully. I could be wrong, but I'm seeing less of it. I could go with non-reality for a little while. I like TV to be entertainment. Well, yeah. uh, TV was entertainment. It was fun. Tuning in and watching your your favorite show or things like that. Magnum P.I. or the A-Team or... Yes, Mr. Belvedere. Uh, <laughs> Alf. I mean, there Alf. was a lot. Um, I used to collect his cards. I, uh. I have several at home. Uh, I'm good with some reality TV. Just just leave the drama <gasps> at home. Dude, we need Face to use off. that. What is Alf's real name? Oh, man. I'd have to think for it's a Gordon while. Shumway. Gordon Come Shumway. Come on. Right? I didn't even have to. Yeah, Gordon Shumway. Don't remember. Gordon Shumway is Alf's real name. Why didn't they really? just use that? What is the name of the planet <laughs> he's from? Alfland. It's no. Milmac. Milmac. You say it or he calls it. But <laughs> wow. It looks like we're not you doing know, so good uh, with the key I don't think Scott was around with that one. <laughs> right, guys, next week we're going to come up with some really hard stuff he can't get. <laughs> we're going to talk about it so the three of us look like we're uh, really smart. Awesome. He's an idiot. Okay. <laughs> That'll work. No, I mean, so there were, I mean, there were stuff like that. It was really fun uh, watching those shows. And then we got to this weird phase of, reality TV and everyone's oh that's awesome and I mean some of them were cool I mean I'll admit you know like watching Amazing Race was cool kind of cool things you know the first but, time yeah the first one you know Amazing Race 27 or 28 wow okay I just want to bang my head against the wall <laughs> uh, you know American Idol 17 no. No. it's done oh, wait, though they the, canceled it yeah, yeah it has been canceled Got talent and America's then... Got Talent well <laughs> I like America's Got Talent I do too it, it's because the, you're not seeing a singer, singer every time. You're yes. seeing a bunch of different yeah. things. There's a variety, and so it's not the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over. It is fun seeing the crazy people. It is, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, an American Idol was interesting when it first came out, and and honestly, other than the first few seasons, have we seen anyone that's won go anywhere? We haven't. No. I mean, it, it started getting to the point where the people that lost We're towards getting more. Getting yeah. more I mean. Chris Daughtry is now famous, but he didn't win. Um, Clay Aiken, another one. Didn't win. Yeah, so. Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, won. well, she won. No, she didn't. She did. Oh, I thought the other one. She was won. one of the first winners. She's the only one that from oh, the, really? that's a winner that has gone on. Oh, uh, and then, guys. like, Kelly Pickler was another one. But most of them haven't. Uh, I was going to say, it, it was the like really bad ones that got most of the publicity, like that Asian guy. That oh, came that in. Asian oh, guy. Man. He got a contract, but then he disappeared. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, she bang, she bang. <laughs> uh, I'm even singing it better like that? than that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Sammo Hung. <laughs> or no. No, something that's Hung. a director. Sammo yeah. Hung is. No, Sammo Hung's awesome. He's with Jackie Chan. Yes. But his last name was Hung, though. The, the guy sang. Anyways. So. <laughs> How you know, and then, William. then William, 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 William Hung, yeah. Yeah. You know, then there's the Survivor. I mean, come on, seriously. I just, I don't know. I was just like, like the creative, t- like TV. I love yeah. Face Off. I love like. Well, Jim see, Face Off, even though Face Off is kind of there's uh, no a rea- drama, it, even though it's kind of reality TV. Yeah, it was still really cool to watch, and it was right. creative. 
like chopped. I love stuff like you know what I mean. Mm, yeah. Top Chef. Oh, yeah. There's not as much drama. It's just mostly about the creativity uh, and. The you know, I, I'm not a fan of reality TV, but I love Cutthroat Kitchen. <laughs> I do. I just started watching it. It it's is so awesome. It is amazing. I sit there watching. It, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because no, you, no, no. <laughs> you get to watch these guys like screw other people over. I it's totally like, okay, you over. need to make a pastry. It's so funny. But now, since this you guy screwed you over, flour. you have to use to you have to use yeah. pop tarts to make tofu. your pastry. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah, I've seen some ridiculous <laughs> stuff where a guy's making food on a hammock, like swinging on a oh. hammock well, while cooking. So, okay, there was one episode we were watching where they had to make, uh, like, they had to make a breakfast, and they had to make pancakes and stuff like this, and you're like, okay, this is cool, and then they guess this guy has to make <laughs> his pancake on a tin can that's pa- that's heated <laughs> with, with tea light, with a tea with light, candles. He had to make it on top of the tea of the can. Yeah, because they, there was a they, tea light inside. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he had to cook on, and you're just like, screw each other, like it's so bad. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, not only that, they've got like what uh, one to two minutes to get all the stuff out of the 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 store, the shop that they they want to cook with, and then then after that, then while they're cooking, they can start bidding on things because they have so much money, and then you can swap things out or take things away. It's like it's crazy, but. Some of these people, you're like, you're like, okay, that guy is totally hosed, and he pulls it out. I know it's amazing, and it's like, uh, there's no way I can. He has cook to like cook all way. of his food with a with a blowtorch. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah, well, he wins. It's like there's one. <laughs> uh, there's another episode where the guy, all, uh, he lost all of his cooking utensils. Couldn't no knives, no uh, sporks, you know anything, and they gave. No sports. <laughs> no sports. No sports. Yeah, whatever. It's an important cooking utensil. <laughs> I use those all the time. And instead, they gave him heavy duty aluminum. So he was like, he, make, he was creating spatulas out of he, aluminum foil. Yeah, he was pulling it up to make That'd his horrible. Horrible. <laughs> it would be. But the, he, that's all he could use. Wow. He could and it's he couldn't great. use any. Co- I mean, it was like, you know, he had his pots and his pans, but he had to use the, this uh, aluminum to mix up his stuff and cut. Yep. It's great. Uh, wow. It's like, wh- it's crazy. That's some it's skills right there. So yeah. entertaining. You guys got to check it, it is, out. It's on, it is it's interesting. It's on Netflix. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, not super geeky, but wow. Wow. It's entertaining. It is. <laughs> yeah. You, you're going to be sitting there going, there's wow. no way I would cook that. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I wouldn't. Yeah. So. I have all the tools. Yes, you have all the tools. Um. Oh, I mean, we're we're running out of time. We're we're coming to the end of the show. And is there any other things we want to cover or talk about real quickly? I mean, we've kind of run the gamut. We're everywhere. I no, got it. Got it. I think done we it? have literally geeked out. Is that kind of possible? <laughs> you're spent. So you're going to Mad Max, and that's true. I'm going to Mad and Max. And you're going to um, watch Flash tonight again. Yeah, yeah. So no, we are not geeked out because you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't watch Mad Max right now, though. It's episode no. 22. On it. Yeah. On it. Duck on it's it. It's awesome. Yep. All worth it. Okay. Now yes. I know why she's it's giving be me a the long night. Yeah, I know. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I seen any of oh, this. and then all the spoilers hurt my heart tonight that came from you. But you didn't know. You didn't know. We didn't know. I hadn't seen that episode. Well, I, I think you've too many spoilers. No, away. no, no. There's. I, I left the epic battle at the out, end. You give me an episode outline. Yes, I did. <laughs> there is so much going on. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. I I'm excited. Uh, I I can't wait to see the next season. 
of these shows. Um, and there's there's actually a lot of shows that got the axe uh, this last season that uh, kind of amazed that some of them and other ones like, oh yeah, that should have been gone long ago. <laughs> um, so we'll just see what happens in the fall. We got Supergirl to look forward to. We've got uh, the DC Legends to look forward to. Uh, season four of, of the Arrow, season two of Flash, season three of Agents of Shield, and hopefully that gets better. Otherwise, it better get axed. Uh, you know, Peggy Carter. I, I want to see more. I want to see more stuff on TV because I think that would be a, a good platform. It really is. You know, movies. Well, I mean, it's comic books. You know, that's what they were built basically. Is well, they're one serial. episode at a yeah. time. You know, and then you yeah, get and, more. and I think comic books are built perfectly for that. Mm-hmm. Where you know. And that's another thing. Movies, and that's one thing where people get really upset. A movie, you have to have finality. You can't let the villain get away. <laughs> so that's why we've seen, you know, uh, Superman kill Zod. That's why we've seen the Joker die. We've seen all these other characters that have that have been killed because, you know, in comic books, you can't kill the, the character off because he, he's got to be there for next year or several months down the road. Uh, I think with... TV, they can do that, and we can get that serial fill back. So Go back to the roots. Yes. Comics. Awesome. Okay. So, with that said, Star Wars. Mad Max. Woo. She can, Mad she, Max. So, so, you can let us know how Mad Max is next week. I will. Hopefully, you are fortunate enough to watch it before then uh, as well. Probably well, not. we still need to get into Age of Ultron. Age yeah. of Ultron is tomorrow. Oh, okay. It is happening. We can finally <laughs> talk about everything now. Yes. Oh, Scott <laughs> hasn't seen it I'll yet. I'll make an effort to go I see it. I keep telling him, let's go, let's go. Go see it. I'll go see it, I promise. <laughs> I seriously have to get out to see geek movies with other people because there's no way I'm going to get to see all of them. Um, you know, we can meet halfway. Okay. All right. Halfway. Yes, yeah, I can do think that. And then drive all the way down here twice for you. No, <laughs> I'm not. I don't blame you. I can be halfway. I used to grow up that Sandy. There. You know, I lived in Sandy. That's where I grew Collins. up. There you go. Jordan Commons is my old high school. Oh, literally, <laughs> they tore it down to build that. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I can tell you where most of the classrooms and everywhere, every where everything was just by standing there. Plus, I work used to work in the office tower behind it. So, um. Yeah, all right. We're going to be right back after these brief moments.
Alright, welcome back to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. That was Dropkick Murphy and the Warriors Code and Eve 6 Rescue. Uh, with that said, let's move into the next part of our show. So we're going to move into uh, a segment that we, we're bringing back. It's been a long time. The Epic Showdown. We're going to do that. Uh, the Epic Showdown basically is where we take two individuals from pop culture, whether they're comics, books, movies, TV, or, and then pit them against one another. So... With that said, we're going to take one moment <laughs> Cheater. And, and, and play the theme song. Come with it when you throw down. Forget any other battle royale or what you know now. Superhero team dynamics, devour planets and get blown out. Gonna write my name on the face of the universe. Epic showdown. Earth people, hear me and hear me well. I... I can't see you. Where are you? You will see me in due time, but... It's a man of tomorrow versus the evil scientist. An armatuted titan that go against a covenant. A fantasy action adventure hero protagonist. A bounty hunter with a supercharged power fist. Why? I got it. I got it. It's a thermal nuclear bullets go right through him like through a cloud and he keeps coming on. That did it. I'm free. You whether you're a guardian of peace and justice through time and space The spirit of a dark force, warrior mage It's a fight to the finish, to outstand and amaze Only one can be crowned champion to universal acclaim <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, with that said Yes, I know, I have to throw that in Isn't that awesome? Yeah So, tonight Great theme song, by the way it, it, It's a great theme song uh, Mark Dago Perfect put that together for us uh, several years ago He and we told him, yeah, it's the Epic Showdown. This is what we envision. And he's like, all right, I got it. And put that together. Cool. Uh, so tonight we have uh, Scotty and Savart uh, being the individuals that are going to tell us why their champion is the greatest champion in the universe. And uh, so we'll, we'll let who – wants, who wants to go first? Well, we better let – Scotty go first because we know in the end I'm gonna win. So, okay. so he's giving uh, it over to Scotty. So, Scotty, your champion for the tonight's showdown is Deathstroke. Deathstroke, or Slade Woo! Wilson from DC. Yes. All right, and yours? Smart? I have Deadpool. Deadpool from Marvel. All right. So, for those of you that don't know who they are, um, I guess look them up on the internet, or these guys will be telling you who they are. So, uh, now we broke this down. And you guys kind of wanted to change it up a little bit, didn't you? Or did you want to keep the, the rules the way I described them? No, I'm we're okay good with them, yeah. Okay, all right. So, basically we're going to break this down into three parts. Uh, part one is how awesome your champion is. Which you get, is awesome. You get to, this is where you get to brag about your champion. Then we'll break it into part two, which is how your champion is going to win against the other one. Now, the the... One caveat on this one is it's your champion. That doesn't mean it doesn't mean you can pull in so let's say if you your champion was Wolverine, you can't pull in the rest of the X Men. It's just Wolverine. Um or vice versa. So uh, then the Wolverine third, doesn't need the rest of the yeah. X Men. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I know. <laughs> that was just an example. Oh, example. Just okay. an example. Like you uh, couldn't use Cyclops or something as an example. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Or you know, Captain America calling in the rest of the Avengers. Uh, and then the third one is where you kind of get a counter what the other opponent said about his champion, and you get to pick apart his plan and how he's going to defeat 
So, all right, since you get first up, that means you get last say. So, how is Deathstroke awesome? Oh, he's awesome in a lot of ways. Okay. So, first of all, his notable alias is the one he's known as is the Terminator. Okay. That's right, the Terminator. Yes. Yes. He will be back. He <laughs> 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 Which is funny because he has a great healing factor. He had got injected with a serum. Yes. That gave him super intelligence, super strength. He can list, lift, I think, five tons. Wow. wow. Um, he is a master of martial arts. He can use all weapons and marksmen. He's master of stealth. And he is a master at tacticians and strategies. Okay. So he's got a little bit of everything and a super serum aiding him. All right. So we'll jump over to you. Well, sound like you d- described Deadpool. <laughs> 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 Made that real easy. <laughs> Actually, I think with Deadpool, we could just go off one thing to, to win the whole competition. Okay. And that'd be the quantity of Deadpools. To the quantity of death strokes <laughs> at Comic Con. So again, winner. you oh, cannot Deadpool. use that. It's only <laughs> one. The there's thirty Deadpool. But there's only death stroke. Only one Deadpool. <laughs> no, yeah, one Deadpool against one death stroke. So, you can't call in the Deadpool. No, squad. I'm not calling him in. I'm just saying, look at the vote. Just oh. people dress up as Deadpool yes. because he's better. Well, wait. Before to counter that though. You know, he is the Terminator, and that's how many people. Well, he's it's kind of funny alive. how to go after oh. another superhero. Well, if you want to call him, so you're pretty much saying that Deadpool sprouts like rabbits, and de- you know, there's only one Deathstroke because he keeps killing him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, kills them all. So he doesn't <laughs> yeah. need to make clones. Why, why would he need more? He's he doesn't need him. clones of himself. <laughs> just, just sad. You have to go try to name yourself after another fictional character. It's be cool. <laughs> I'm the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so Deadpool's a lot of the same thing. He has a super healing factor so well that it regrows severed limbs as well as vital organs that get damaged. He also has uh, immunity to poison and most drugs. Unfortunately, I think Wade Wilson would enjoy the drugs factor, but <laughs> but he doesn't get to do that anymore. His muscles regenerate faster, so he doesn't get tired as quick. And in the process of that, he can be more agile than most humans are. It's very similar to the speed and agility of Spider-Man. His natural strength, agility, and reflexes are all enhanced because of his of these features. And then um, if you want to get into just what his suit adds to him as well, I mean, Deathstroke has an impressive suit, but when I can teleport behind Deathstroke and put that sword through his head, that will give me a little bit of, a dis- of an advantage. So teleportation through the power of his suit, it's going with the, the suit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, great stuff there. He's also he's been trained in. Uh, he was um, in the military and has extraordinary hand-to-hand combat. Great with weapons, great with guns, great with swords. I, I mean, we really are describing two of the same people. It seems like <laughs> half like the time. The whole list of abilities. Uh, no, it's exactly just goes, and goes and goes. <laughs> he's also fluent in. Japanese, German, Spanish, and many other languages. That's so weird because Slade Wilson is also a master linguist. He yeah, has so. all languages. But the one advantage I do have is he's got multiple people talking to him in his head. But they're all <laughs> which, himself. <laughs> <laughs> which actually helps because you never know what he's going to do. You never know what he's going to do. So. All right. Okay. So that's why your characters are awesome. So, Scotty, we'll go back to you. How will Slade Wilson or Dead Deathstroke defeat and uh, Deadpool? 
Well, he will use his highly trained and uh, technological advances, and uh, he would use his tactics and use his own powers against him, trap him, so put him somewhere, remove his head, whatever is possible. Put him, put him somewhere <laughs> that I can teleport him. out of. Well, you, your teleportation is very limited. You can only teleport so far. Well, he jumps across the country, so I don't know how limited that is. It's pretty limited. We still did pretty good with that, man. But when it works. Uh, okay. That, <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring up the working thing. <laughs> when it works. Lee and you in the middle of the ocean, you know? Yeah. I don't know. All right, so uses, he's, he's going to use his advanced tactician mind to set up a trap of some sort, trap Deadpool, defeat him, get him, knock him unconscious, drag him somewhere where he can't get out. Yes. That's how he's doing it. All right, so how is Deadpool going to defeat Destro? He's going to talk to him to death. <laughs> <laughs> it might actually work. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You know, you can look at many heroes such as the Joker where he just constantly talks and batters uh, Batman. Yeah. And Batman just sits there in silence. And I think that's one of the advantages that the Joker has over him that I think it was um, beyond Batman where Mm -hmm. that Batman started talking back to him and the Joker didn't like him. And Deadpool does the same thing when he fights. He's very smart-witted and jumps all over it and teases the people he's fighting with and you can never understand what he's doing. He's just all over the place. And I think the advantage is while you're confused with what in the crap is Deadpool doing, he will teleport behind you and take care of you that way. So, Okay. Wow. So how are you going <laughs> to fight against that? Well, he's going to talk you to death. Well, yeah, talk <laughs> you to death. Slade is not afraid of words yeah. <laughs> at all. And with his, his tactical mind, he's going to look past all the gibberish and talking and blah, 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 and put his sword where he's going to teleport and stab, and he make Deadpool stab himself. Okay. That's never stopped Deadpool before. Sure, but it's not going to stop Slade either, <laughs> stabbing him in the bag. Well, I know, but... I'm not needing to stab. I'll just take the spinal cord out. <laughs> so, no. so how are you going to defeat Deathstroke since I you really, know his plan I, I and really, how he's going to counter defeat you? You know, I, I'm okay with taking the sword to the chest carrier or the stomach area okay. as I teleport behind him because if he puts the sword in me, that means I have his sword. I'll just go for the next shot. So, Okay. All right. So you've heard it. Now we're going to leave it up to uh, the listeners to to decide, um, cast their votes. Out of those two, who would you pick, Jess? Well, I have a much better plan for killing <laughs> Deadpool, but <laughs> <laughs> so do I. But um, we weren't in this. Come on, man! You got to have him teleport into some sort of chamber, like the one on the Flash, where he can't use his powers as soon as he teleports in there. Okay, but makes sense. Like I said, right now. Mind. I don't know. Deadpool's winning right now. Deadpool? Okay. Yeah, although I know that Deathstroke is stronger in general. But he's not as funny, so... He's uh, not as entertaining. He's, he's he is a serious man. Nah, he is. He's <laughs> all business. He's business and blows Business or up. pleasure. That is your vote, people. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but even if you have his sword, there's so many other knives, daggers, well, explosive yeah, grenades. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Apple. based on the arguments you pitched... I'm thinking Deadpool's probably going yeah. to pull ahead. But we'll see. And we're going to leave it up to the listeners. So, 
Uh, with that said, we'll throw Once this again, out. Once again, it comes down to that 30 to 1 at Comic-Con yep. for the win. <laughs> oh, please, come on. Hey, you know what? The reason why there's not more Deathstroke is because his costume is harder to make than that's just throwing true. on that thing. Yeah, yep. that's true. And when you do see one, it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, so we'll throw this up on uh, social media. You guys can cast your votes. We'll let you know the f- next week uh, when we do the next epic showdown. Uh, who won? And then we'll do the next ones. Yeah. So next week we will have uh, Thunderscape on talking about their expansion to the D20 system. Thunderscape is built on the world of Aiden. Uh, it's a really great system. I mean, you've got heroes you wearing power armor or wearing or riding uh, speeders, stuff like that. Really cool. Um, so there's cat races, there's humans, everything. Base, uh, so it's they really use it well. It works really well with uh, Path, the Pathfinder game. Okay. Um, that's what, who they kind of focused on. But it really works on any D20 system. So we'll have them coming on. They've added more to the, the game system. And then uh, we're going to have Paizo coming on soon as well as a couple other authors. Uh, Peter Rulians will be on uh, soon. And there's lots more coming on. Get going.